0: part of growing is biting off more than you can chew and taking bold choices and also falling short of them. And what you do next kind of defines you and you either push through or keep going. But if it stops you, then it means that you can be stopped.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to The Awardist where we are breaking down the state of the 2022 Emmys race and chatting with the actors, creators and more who are contenders this year. I am Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall and we have a, uh, it's a real doozy of an episode for you today. I teased it a little bit at the end of last week's episode. Uh, This episode is our big roundtable with some of the limited series actresses who played real people this year. And by the way, uh, there were, no shortage of those. You really don't want to miss that. Uh, but first, I want to introduce my guest co-host this week. It is EW critic Darren Franich. Darren, hello,
2: hello. How are you, Jared? So great to be here. So great to dig into. I I, I love the, the limited anthology series stuff. Oh that's my. kind of that. That for me is like that's the main event at the Emmys. Like because oh, I feel thank like that's you. always that's always it's like the the biggest. Amount of like talent and intrigue and like what's going on mm-hmm. narratively and like I, I just like it. It's all of television, but in a somewhat manageable form. Yeah, <laughs> more so absolutely. than the other category.
1: It's it's my favorite category. That and the lead actress uh, in these shows because it's really incredible. First, I got to ask you um, if you could play anyone in a limited series. Who would it be? Like, let's say <laughs> Darren Franich, actor. Who would you want to <laughs> portray from real life?
2: From 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 real life, it's it's tough because now I'm kind of like, what what true life thing has has not been like taken? Well, uh, right. has, has not been taken just yet. Um, I think I think I could be a good vice president in a show, <sighs> like like not not the main character, like not right? the president and the people around them, but like mm-hmm. I, I think like like maybe oh okay, you know what? If they were doing like like a Bush one thing, I think I could do Dan Quayle. I, I think oh, I could do a solid. I think nailed I think it. That's kinda, I like that. I, I think that's what I exude is like. The <laughs> I'm there, and I don't know what I'm doing, and like I'm I'm going to try things that constantly fail. That's I I, I makes think makes complete I, like, sense. Like you know the 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 focal episode on Dan Quayle. That's where I would really nail down that uh, supporting mm-hmm. actor nomination. I think. <laughs> All right, I like that for
1: you. I like that for you, and I would just uh, I think I would star in the Ryan Seacrest story on Lifetime coming yes, this fall.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, well, that so would, that would right. have to be an on, that's that's an ongoing <laughs> series. That's that's like the next that's winning true. time.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is is not a TV movie. That is, not you're right. That is, he has his own anthology. He's got the radio days, which are still ongoing. He's got the American Idol days, which are still ongoing. He's got his <laughs> short-lived own talk show, plus now live with Kelly and Ryan. Yeah, that's true. That is, oh, that's that's an anthology. I'm liking
2: everything you're saying Oh, and here, the E! Kid. News
1: days. How could we forget about that? Anyway, that was a huge tangent, but um, okay, all that to if, say- If no, you mm-hmm. do
2: that, if you do that, I will play, okay, this is going to test you. Who was the co-host on American Idol season one? Brian Dunkelman. That's th- that's who I'll play. I'll play Dunkelman right. to, to your I, secrets. To my
1: secrets. <laughs> I, I'm down. Uh, for any producers listening, we're available. <laughs> Give us a call. All right. Um, we're, we're talking about limited series here. Uh, Quickly, I want to get your take on the limited series field um, as well as uh, the actresses. But first, uh, limited or anthology series. I mean, this list is wild. Maid, Pam and Tommy, Gaslit, The First Lady, The Dropout, We Crashed, A Very British Scandal, Anatomy of a Scandal, The Thing About Pam, The Landscapers, Women of the Movement, Impeachment, 1883, The Girl from Plainville, Under the Banner of Heaven, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, The Staircase, Angeline. There are more that I haven't even gotten to here. Uh, What's your hot take? Is there something that you are identifying, perhaps even as the one you think should work Win.
2: My two hot takes are that mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing that like um, everything is American crime story now. like so, mm-hmm. so much so that it actually seems as if... I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out, but American crime story itself may have a harder time now than it used oh, right? to, kind of wedging its way yeah. I- into this prize. And then my second hot take is... I'm honestly confused now as to whether White Lotus is an ongoing show or a limited series show. I believe HBO is saying it is limited series for the benefit of this, this year's Emmy voting. Um, In which case, like I still think that may have some amount of possibility here, but it seems like it's a raid against all of these high-powered true life stories, um, and and in that sense, it's, hard, it's it it feels like it's more of a pick and choose which one of those will will wind up winning. <laughs> right,
1: right. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, White Lotus they have been renewed for a second season, but it's a different story, so it makes it an anthology. And yeah, so that that's one I didn't even mention here. I think they're a lock for nomination. I yeah. God, I hope so. Uh, yeah, it, it was so good.
2: It was so long ago because that to me is like one of the truly defining summertime hits of recent years. But I do have hope that that shines through. That's my favorite of the bunch by far. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think for a lot of people, it is just a matter of like which of the true life stories jumped out at you the most, whether it was um, uh, the dropout, whether it was we crashed, whether it was, uh, you know, that seems to be a little bit more where the kinetic energy of this race is going to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Station Eleven, another one I I even forgot to mention, too. The Offer is in there. You know, the series about uh, the making of The Godfather. They're just, it's wild how many there are. Uh, Okay, let's talk lead actress in a limited or anthology series or TV movie, because they all get lumped together. Um, Specifically, (laughs) I'll start with who we have on this roundtable today. Amanda Seyfried, Anne Hathaway, Beanie Feldstein, Emmy Rossum, Jessica Biel, Adrian Warren, Elle Fanning, Julia Garner. Also in contention here, Margaret Qualley, Lily James, Julia Roberts, uh, our trio from the First Lady, Viola Davis, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Julianne Anderson, Michelle Dockery, Sienna Miller, uh, Renee Zellweger, Sarah Paulson. Again, the list goes on. Uh, again, please give me your hot takes here.
2: Well, first of all, like just just like on the roundtable today, and, and the possible nominees, like such a high-powered like row of people, it seems like it would be wrong for me to choose between them. Uh, but I am going to do that. And I will just say that like I feel like um, although the show itself has had like less of an impact than some other shows, I do think that with Emmy Rossum there is mm-hmm. this extraordinary amount of viewer and Emmy voter um love for her. I also mm-hmm. think it helps that like Angeline is very much a Los Angeles story yes. like i yep. i i feel like you know there's a history of those stories kind of hitting voters right where they live um mm-hmm. but th- that, that being said um my pick for like best performance in this category uh not even really loving the show around it too much but like lily james what she did in pam and tommy is just yes. like incredible I, I think that like yep. that's a larger than life Figure that would have been so easy to play as a kind of parody, so easy to do mm-hmm. like an SNL thing. And I really think that you know she did something so much more soulful. I I, I don't know. I, yeah. I find that that's a performance that just you know had so many layers to it.
1: Could not agree more. Here's where I'm a little worried, and I've talked to some others about this. My big fear here is that Sebastian Stan gets nominated and she doesn't. I <sighs> I know, right? But I, I mean, I think she will. I think she will. But if she doesn't what a wild travesty that will be um mm.
2: Do you think, is that just a matter of like on the actress side? It it just feels like there's so much more firepower. Yeah. Because it's so, it's just so crowded. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing her, her name on
1: a lot of lists, so I'm, I'm very hopeful and I think she should be, um, but I'm with you. She's great. Isn't it a little unfair that Emmy Rossum has the word Emmy in her
2: (laughs) (laughs) name? (laughs) I, 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 it it feels like there is some kind of like minor element of like inceptioning and like brainwashing (laughs) there. It's like, come on, like my name is Emmy. You're voting for the Emmys. Like, let's, there's you know there's an easy one-to-one thing happening there and then of course you know again that performance may be another one that could have gone a very over the top direction and even Mm -hmm. when it does that it still it still seems like she's she's going for a very passionate and layered performance there so you know again i I think that's that's kind of the key when you're doing a true life performance of someone who's so famous is kind of finding the 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 heart and soul of, of the person
1: Yeah, they all did uh, such a great job, all of these women. Um, Okay, let's keep talking drama because here is where I really want to dig in with you. Uh, Let's talk about lead actress in a drama. I'm going to list off a bunch of names here again. Uh, Melanie Linsky, Juliette Lewis, Zendaya, Laura Linney, Sandra Oh, Jodie Comer, Mandy Moore, Carrie Coon, Christine Baranski, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Britt Lower, Elizabeth Moss. Again, more uh, who are in contention, but I haven't said. Um, What are your thoughts here? Because uh, Zendaya obviously won this category a couple years ago. Um, Melanie Linsky has really emerged as this. um, I, I don't know if darling is the right word, but everybody is talking about Melanie Linsky right now. And then, of course, Laura Linney is so so incredible on Ozark and I think really overdue for this. Um, But yeah, I'm curious to hear what you think
2: yeah i i think you've you've kind of nailed the race pretty quickly i'm calling like the full yellow jacket sweep that's that's my like like dark horse thing in, oh. in, in drama um just like okay. m- my experience of that show and people who've seen it is like the total excitement around the first season was something that i i honestly haven't felt in a debut drama in a really long time mm. of just kind of constant discovery so i mm-hmm. I, I do even think with that, like
1: squid game you didn't feel that
2: you know i for for me maybe just the difference is with with, um, with yellow jackets, it somehow was doing a little bit of that two thousand serialized drama oh, thing. Right, right, v- right. Very obviously kind of, you know, imitating just in terms of like there being an, there being a, an actual plane crash and flashbacks, what Lost right. was doing, but doing something so new with that material and you know taking yeah. that inspiration in such different directions. So I, I I do think that Melanie Linsky is gonna win. I I think you're right that, you know, she's somebody who has been doing such good work for such a long time and is so well yeah. respected, and that just, you know, that first season was a showcase for her. That yes. said, like like every time Juliet Lewis was on screen in Yellow Jackets, <laughs> for me personally, mm-hmm. that was like absolute apex entertainment. So I'm I'm yeah. hoping there's at least a, a nomination for her and hoping that, you know, as the show continue to expand, you know, there, there there may be lots of Yellow Jackets love to give around in, in, mm-hmm. in, 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 in the duration of, of its run on Showtime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Juliet Lewis plus I, Christina Ricci, also great. Uh, oh, she amazing. Seems, yeah, I she mean, seems... Like, like a like she could get in there as well so
2: that that's that's what i'm 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 i want the full yellow jackets like you know fill up fill up the, the the category as much as possible i mean you know with so much talent in so many shows that show when those women were together was just like an absolute distillation of certainly for someone who grew up watching a lot of those a- a- actresses like you know seeing them in just such amazing roles together it was just incredible
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Drama actor. Uh, We have a couple guys from uh, Squid Game, one who will be nominated, one who won't. Uh, Lee Jung-jae will be nominated. Lee Min-ho. (laughs) mm, He's on the peripheral, but uh, I I mean, I don't think he's going to get in there. Uh, Jeremy Strong, Brian Cox, Bob Odenkirk, Jason Bateman, Adam Scott, Sterling K. Brown, Milo Ventimiglia, Jonathan Bailey, Gary Oldman, John C. Riley, Kevin Costner. Again, more who I've not named. Uh, What are your thoughts here?
2: well uh, my one thought is everyone like my dad's age thinks that john C riley is giving the greatest performance in TV history so I don't i i I don't know what the current like voting demographic lineup of the Emmys is yeah. but if it's if it if it's edging towards like like grandparent male like demographic like I, I think which we he know have he used a, to he may have yeah. a big he may have a big like a bigger hmm. than expected fandom um but my I mean my my pick here just because I love the show so much would probably 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 be Bob Odenkirk with the qualification that I do have this strange concern that the way Better Call Saul has structured its season release, where you had the first half before the voting and the second half come late this summer. I, I do kind of wonder if that may wind up impacting his chances only because it seems as if he'll have a lot more focal points in the mm-hmm. second half of the season and that's right. going to be, you know, a year before next year's voting. So I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm curious to see how that affects it, but um, you know, I do think that as much as there's other kind of flashier items here and certainly with This Is Us ending, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot to say about those guys' chances, but um, I, I do think that he's done really solid work for a while on a show that um, you know, is kind of perpetually nominated for Emmys, not always really the, 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 the focal points. So, so tough category. Right. I, I'd say I'd call him kind of a dark horse, but I do worry that the show itself and the way it's released may have kind of impacted that a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. They, they of course, did that as well with uh, Breaking Bad. And it um, I don't necessarily want to say it worked to their advantage. I mean, that show was just um, even though Better Call Saul is as good as uh, some think a better show than uh Breaking Bad. It had a different place in pop culture yeah. at that time. Yes. You know, there was a different conversation around that show. It was still um, being so discovered.
2: I, it was still being discovered. Yeah. Right. And that, that's that. Yeah. like the, the Breaking Bad Emmys victory lap is something that I'm not sure anybody could ever really recreate where you yeah. had a show that just almost in real time during its the run of its kind of final season, as it was kind of split up over two years, was just constantly yeah. being discovered by people, and so yeah, that 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 was like a snowball rolling down a mountain experience. Which I, of course, no, like, like I, I feel like you had a little bit of that with the kind of Shit's Creek discovery, yes. but like that, that yep. that's a, that's a tricky thing for for a long running show to to uh, manage for sure.
1: Yep, um, I think I heard you mention there. Uh, this is us with also it being its final season. Uh, Sterling K. Brown had some really great material. Uh, also, uh, we we didn't. I mean, I mentioned her name earlier, but we didn't get into the discussion. Mandy Moore had a really stellar season as you know. A, I think she's pushing forty herself, might be forty, playing someone who is then in her. Uh, mid to late 70s with Alzheimer's and confronting death. I mean, it's not really something a 40 year old actress gets to do a lot of, and um, I don't know. Do, do you have any feelings on that one?
2: There's a degree of difficulty aspect to that, too. And I do wonder, I mean, th- there is this history of you know, the fight, like, sometimes. When a show's in its final season, even if even if it's gotten Emmy Love, it does sort of feel like, ok. voters have now moved on to new things and there's kind of this courtesy nomination. But there is the history mm-hmm. of people kind of getting that, like, you know, sort of similar Breaking bad that that kind of victory lap prize of, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're kind of giving you this award for the final season. so i'm I, I'm curious to know how that plays out for her especially because it does seem as if, um, you know, that was a show that often different actors were kind of kind of getting a lot of attention, and mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if that attention kind of kind of shifts to her towards the end. But again, that's the Yellow Jackets category. I've I've <laughs> I've picked my crew. You've already picked. your I yeah. have picked my team. <laughs> you know, so I, I, you know, whatever happens, I'll, I'll be happy for the winner. But you know, this yeah. is this is you're talking to the guy who's been wanting to see Juliette Lewis in a TV show for a long time. So yeah. we'll see. Well, you got her
1: there, and now you have her in Queers. For- as well. So um, (laughs) she's getting lots of material right now and I'm loving that for her. Um, Okay. uh, Last thing here, I got to ask you, um, you know, in our awardist digital magazine, you have brought to readers and hopefully voters attention, some performances that you think are worthy of nomination. Specifically, you talked about John Bernthal in We Own This City and we heard you here on the podcast, your interview with him. Uh, And you also talked about Pen15, the final season, the, the final season, the second season uh, of that the show. Second, um, second
2: half of the second season or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels the like the show was on 15, for such a long end. time. <laughs> yeah, The end of Pym
1: 15. Uh, the show as well as it stars Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Is there anyone else who you would like to make a plea for now that voting is officially underway?
2: The two pleas uh, that, that I'm going to make uh, are first of all, remember the Paramount Plus exists and there's real good stuff there. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the two shows created by Robert and Michelle King I think are yes. always delivering great stuff. Just evil which is currently on right now those mm-hmm. lead actors especially uh, Mike Coulter um Asif Manvi and saying her name out loud for the first time Katya Herbers I believe yes uh, mm-hmm. they are all extraordinary so uh, any love for them I, I I think would be great for that show which is doing such great stuff and then uh, I don't know about you, Jared, but besides limited series, my real focus is always in the reality unstructured category, uh, Uh where where you get a lot of fun stuff kind of mixed in there. You get your uh, RuPaul's Drag Race untucked. You get your kind of docu-soaps. Last season, I believe, first nomination for Below Deck, the the, the, kind of mothership Below Deck show. Um, Now, my experience is, I think Bravo just wants the focus to be on the main show. Um, true fans know that below deck sailing yacht is a masterpiece. Um, so I, I, I don't want to split votes in any direction, but I would just say like, if it's called below deck, vote for it because the, the, that show has been delightful escapism during the last few years <laughs> yeah
1: well yeah when when we couldn't travel as much uh, we got to live vicariously through uh, this show a bit
2: beautiful beautiful be- beautiful yeah. tan drunk people making bad decisions yeah. on a boat it's it's all wonderful yeah stuff. <laughs> and that's
1: really the appeal you're on a boat and you're still kind of away from people and everything <laughs> and it's really just you and the, and the crew and these like you said these beautiful locations um, I think those are some great picks right there and um, uh, yeah, and you mentioned you know RuPaul's Drag Race Untucked specifically because it's in a different category than the the actual show. Um, that is one that this year I'm going off on a tangent again. That I think because of the conversation that was had on that show the last season where you had five transgender competitors on it, a, a, a lot of that unraveled on Untucked, and I'm yeah. wondering. If that is, uh, you know, the the raw conversations that were had there that we have not really seen on television before, could catapult that show to a win this year, like its uh, like its mothership series has for uh, four or five years now.
2: I, I absolutely think that that's possible. I mean, what what Untucked does, because I mean, you know, sight unseen, the pitch on that sounds like so it's like an after show or it's just sort of, right. a, but but it it really does, you know. As as much as RuPaul's Drag Race finds time in its, you know, constant sort of, you know, mm. really fun way to to deal with those issues. um yeah Untucked is kind of where it's it's the sort of like almost like therapy side of the show. It, it, it's, <laughs> yes. it, 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 it's that kind of like, you know, actual kind of in-depth conversations. I that th- that would not surprise me one bit. I mean, RuPaul's mm. Drag Race itself is kind of a, you know, Emmy phenomenon in its own right. And so, yeah, any a- any attention to Untucked always seems pretty justified. Yep. All right. Well,
1: uh, with that, uh, folks, please don't go anywhere. Stay with us because you don't want to miss this. My conversation with eight of this year's actresses who played real people in a limited series, the awardist will be back after this short break. Welcome back to The Awardist. All right, I have to tell all of you, this is something that I have been kind of working on for months, I I had hoped for for months. Uh, And honestly, you know, when you try to book these roundtables, you don't expect to get as many yeses as I actually got for this one. So I am thrilled that we are presenting this interview to you today because uh, these women are not just some of, I think, the best working actors around right now, but they really, uh, all of them, put out some incredible performances this year. So here they are. Now, you know that scene? It's a huge battle scene in Avengers Endgame where Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, Valkyrie, Okoye, Mantis, Shuri, the Wasp, Gamora Nebula, and Pepper Potts all assemble. And it's this just amazing moment, and the audience is cheered. Well, right now, I have that same kind of excited feeling as I did watching that scene because we have assembled what I'm considering a powerhouse group of fierce and wildly talented actresses for this awardist roundtable. And I am truly honored to lead this conversation. So, Let's get right to it. These eight actresses all starred in recent limited series. It is hands down my favorite category this year. And more specifically, they all portray real women. Joining me in the order in which their shows debuted, we have Beanie Feldstein, who played Monica Lewinsky in Impeachment, American Crime Story. Adrian Warren portrayed Mamie Till Mobley in Women of the Movement. Julia Garner starred as Anna Sorokin, a.k.a. Anna Delvey, in Inventing Anna. Amanda Seyfried was Elizabeth Holmes in The Dropout. Anne Hathaway was Rebecca Newman in We Crashed. Elle Fanning became uh, Michelle Carter in The Girl from Plainville. Jessica Biel was Candy Montgomery in Candy. And Emmy Rossum portrays Angeline in Angeline. Hello to all of you and welcome.
0: Hello. Uh, Yay. Okay. <laughs> hey,
3: well,
4: look at that. <laughs>
1: Really, truly so excited to be speaking with all of you. Um, I, I know, of course, uh, well, before we really get into the, to the thick of everything going on this award season, I have to acknowledge, we have a little um, on-screen mother-daughter reunion here with Anne and Amanda, mm-hmm. uh, who played uh, Fantine and Cosette in 2012's Les Miserables. Right. <laughs> um, I know you, you were on different timelines, so you never really shared a scene together, except when, uh, like, Fantine's spirit comes back when Jean Valjean dies, right? That was, that was the only time.
5: Uh, it's really funny. I was like, Whoa, who, who and then you said, it, oh, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, it because it was so, it felt like a lifetime ago. Um, But you're right. We didn't, we didn't get to, I mean, at the end scene, that was like one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had on a film set when we got to finally be together at the end, when you sing that song.
0: When we sing that song. Yes.
5: But really like, you guys ghost away and I'm just like listening to it. And and it's. It was like a dream.
1: Yeah. Well, I I was going to ask if there were any like fond memories from from that moment together. Uh, It sounds like clearly there are. Um, Has anyone else worked together in the past? I know we have some who are working together now. Let's go through that. Who's worked together?
6: Emmy and I worked together. Yeah. 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 Julia um, starred in an episode of Modern Love that I directed. And she is just she's just transcendent. And a. Terrific actress, and just so watchable, and lovely, and funny, and great. And I'm so happy to see her. And Amanda and I are, are working together now, so that's really fun. We're about
5: wow. to. We're about to. We're about to. We're about to start actual scenes together, which is. I know. I know. I, mean, I haven't had
7: I'm seeing a, all these women, and it would just be a dream to act with. Every single one of you, I'm just going to, you know, (laughs) know. all of you guys. So this is, this is, Thank you for having me.
1: Well, surprise, this is the audition right now for a new movie <laughs> that we are putting <laughs> together. No. Uh,
3: audition, yeah, Zoom audition. Exactly, yeah. like,
8: oh, yes.
1: oh. <laughs> Someone's going to walk in and hand you a script right now. No, Um. you know, I, I of course, mentioned that all of you play real women in these uh, limited series, but something else that almost all of you have in common is that the women you portray were part of true crimes or scandals. And uh, you're not alone. This year, uh, there was also Julia Robertson Gaslit, Viola Davis, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jillian Anderson in The First Lady, also Elle's sister Dakota, is in that. Lily James and Pam and Tommy, Renee Zellweger in The Thing About Pam, Sarah Paulson also from Impeachment, Olivia Coleman in Landscapers. The list goes on and on. Um, but I, I guess this is the question I pose to you. What is it about a true story that makes it so hard to resist? Jessica, would you mind taking that first?
9: Sure. Um, well, I, I think the, the the moments where life is stranger and more wild than than fiction is something that's endlessly fascinating. We're all students of, you know, and observers of human behavior. That's, I mean, I'm assuming that's why you ladies love what you do. I love what I do because I just love studying people and like stepping in someone else's shoes, especially someone who has lived and walked in the world and, um, you know, has had an experience that I haven't had. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just so curious about, about that. And there's so much to mine when they when your character is someone who has existed or is existing currently.
4: Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that I, there's so much that we can learn from each other. And I think that is like that to me is why any true story that we can we can tell or put light on a situation that didn't have that light before, um, you know, uh, share other people's truths, give people an opportunity to 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 be seen in the way in which they feel like their life should be seen or I mean it's, it's such a beautiful moment and such an incredible honor for each of us as well as a responsibility as well. And um, I, I know that's why I'm definitely that's why I've always been attracted to to uh, telling real stories.
5: Yeah, I mean, we're all multifaceted. It's crazy like we I, playing somebody who is infamous is just like, you know, we're all humans. We're all very, very complicated and like shedding new light or just gaining new perspective. Like we each have our own unique perspective on each character that we play. So when there's somebody out there who the world is aware of, yeah, it's just like, it's just, um, it gives us an opportunity to shed light on a certain facet of that person that we wouldn't necessarily have seen. And that's like super satisfying. Mm -hmm.
7: I think too, like, just adding on to what everyone's saying, you know, now that uh, there's just, I don't want to say there's so many, there's just the, the lack of truth nowadays, in a way. So I think there's something, audience, people are attracted to uh, stories where they're almost catching somebody in a lie, because there's so many things that's just lies, 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 like just social media, just things aren't as... Um, genuine in a way um, as much as they used to be. So I think that's also people are attracted to, I don't want to say catching somebody in a lie, but almost those like those scandals in, in a sense. Um, I know I am
8: in a way, you know? Yeah.
7: And there's something just satisfying about it because there's just that lack of that right now,
9: you know, in real
0: life. I also think there's something about, rediscovering someone you thought that you knew Mm. and julia I, i i really responded to what you just said about lying because one of the things that was so interesting to me about this character was what happens when someone doesn't know that they're lying or an aspect to themselves is is fake it till you make it and where is that line where a truth that you intend to happen doesn't come true when do you communicate that to people or when do you keep doubling down and betting on yourself, and When part of dreams are based in delusion inherently, how do you how do you navigate that? Uh, But that was one of the things that was interesting to me about playing someone real was just, you know, what you were saying, Amanda, about how people are multifaceted, how people are human beings. And then I feel like I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I felt like I, I my character was someone I met through the media and who she actually was, was very different than how the media portrayed her and it was really it was really interesting to me to try to get more of her and more of that dimensionality in there.
6: I think it's interesting cuz that in playing off what you're saying the character that I'm playing is somebody who desires to be two dimensional, desires to be unknowable, that there's safety in not being human. And so to play someone who's so incredibly secretive of their truth, um who's constantly like kind of spinning these fantasies and self-mythologizing because that is their own emotional survival and creating these kind of landscapes and stories that they can live in because the pain of being alive, of being mortal, of being in a human female body, of, of existing in the patriarchy, of existing as a Jewish woman, all the threats that come with that are too poignant to bear. And the idea that you could create and commit to this version of fantasy was, was really fascinating to me. And the idea that perhaps there could be just as much or even more emotional truth to be found in in the stories that we tell to ourselves and about ourselves than just a whole bunch of facts. And so in that way, I think you're always kind of, kind of you're never going to be able to tell a true story the way it really happened because there are so many people who are there who viewed it differently. And that's why I think that that, you know, In a sense, it's always a failure to do a biopic, right? Because you're never going to capture every little nuance, and and we are so much more than just kind of a two dimensional, you know, number of things that happen to us. But I think that the the attempt to 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 bring humanity and a depth and a poignancy and honor to a woman's story um, is is really really valid and something that I think all the ladies here did so incredibly well.
1: Adrian, you mentioned, obviously, this is not the first time you have uh, played a real character. You came off of uh, kind of being and absorbing everything you could about Tina Turner for several years uh, <laughs> before you did this. Was there anything specific that you took away from that experience that you were able to apply to uh, portraying Mamie?
4: Oh, wow. Um y- they're very different people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, but I approach them the same. Um, and for me, it was about the truth of honoring their stories and who they are. And uh, you know, just one thing I, I have to say is, you know, I'm a lot of my work is about putting shining light on women's stories who aren't told, specifically in history, and specifically as a black woman, as a woman of color. Um, I think that is part of my purpose as an actress here on this planet right now and um i don't necessarily i wish that i had there was a moment where and i hope that, that that there will be moments where we can get even more nuanced stories about women of color but the truth is i'm telling a story about a woman whose son was murdered lynched and she made a decision to start the civil rights movement and that is and all of my work after that and everything that I've been asked to do about after that has been about historical black woman that has had to push through and persevere to push through. And it's, and it's never actually been about them. It's never actually been their story or their choice. It's been about what has been oppressed upon them and how they overcame it and how they continue to overcome. And um, so for me, it was really just about finding the truth for both of them, because they were both oppressed in ways that are unimaginable and came out on the other side as warriors. But unfortunately, in storytelling for women of color, you, you get to say, say that we're superheroes, but you never get to see how we get our capes. And that is something that I, I will always say. And I will always be so proud and honored to have an opportunity to get an opportunity to widen the lens so that our society can actually look at Women of color and say, oh, they feel too, they bleed too, they cry too. And that pain is just as resonant for all of us. And um, yeah, so it's really the same for me. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I feel like one of you uh, kind of said this uh, in different words a few minutes ago, but you know, there's the saying, of course, I, I couldn't make this up if I tried. And the thing here is that your writers didn't have to because <laughs> these things uh, really happen for better or worse. So as each of you learned more and more about the people you were portraying, what was the thing that you perhaps found the, like the hardest to believe to wrap your head around? Um uh L, would you mind taking that one first?
8: Sure. Um well, when Ann was talking about the the media, that kind of I, I you know, I can relate because in Michelle Carter's case, you know, everyone had such an opinion about that case i mean i remember when i you know told family and friends that i was doing that project i mean kind of the guttural reaction or the guttural opinion of this girl that um the media really portrayed this case in a very one-dimensional way and i really didn't know much about her except for the very kind of biased one-sided depiction that they showed so i guess for me everything that i found out along the way was um, was kind of a revelation and helped. But um, I mean, I think for me it was hard because I'm playing a character that I don't necessarily agree with what she did um, and what she did was really in a lot of ways very unforgivable um, and as you know, with these text messages and we had access to them and reading through them was extremely intense, but also it's these teenagers who are also falling in love at the same time. So there's like a a silliness to them and kind of this dark secret conspiratorial aspect to them. And um, I I really got to know her through the text messages, much like their relationship, because they only met a handful of times. So um, that was kind of the most most interesting part to me. But I think I had to, you know, I've never played a character that I you know i couldn't judge her i mean i think we could all probably agree that we can't really judge who we're playing but i did have to understand her you know if you don't agree with what she's doing you know that or what she did that's that but i had to try to get to a point where i kind of understood how she could make the decision that she did um which was an interesting place to to live in and i think for the writers too and i don't know if everyone feels this way but we all are playing these real people, but at a certain point, you kind of have to disconnect from the real person. Like, and you know, you're, you're like, okay, now I need to just focus on the script and create a character in my mind. Cause I think someone said, but we never are going to know the full truth. We're you know, and the nuance of the truth. And so at the end of the day, you're, you have to find an arc for how they got there and also, you know, make some things up and make some bold decisions as an actor, you're like, I'm going to decide this is what she was thinking. I might not know, but you have to decide it to get to the, to the end. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs>
5: I, have a, I have a question. It's a, it just made me think like, how, was it hard for everybody just to like leave at the end? When yep. <laughs> it just felt like this was for, for me specifically, it was like the most work I ever put into something. And because it's it is so real and so the moment i i
7: was it was just how many how long did it take like how yeah i i'm i'm just getting activated by that question like was it really (laughs) difficult for everybody and stressful to be like oh my god are they gonna hate this performance because they are alive too and it's kind of one of those things that and they're also such interesting characters like in a way like i mean i i've was kind of stressed out (laughs) were
8: you thinking like more about the real person yeah the real person like i hope that they're
7: gonna like how i portrayed them in a way yeah you know one point i was just like fuck her i have to to do
5: we have to like collaborate over here like she's over here like but but at the same time of course i was like (sighs) it's just so weird like the I don't know. I mean, it's, it was, it's very, very, it's so much trickier than I thought it was going to be. And,
9: and therefore so much trickier to move on. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, the challenge, I, I, I definitely wanted to say that many times, like, I don't care what this person Thanks. I'm also creating my version of who she was. My character were existing in that world in that moment of her life back in 1980. So thinking about the social media was non-existent. So, so that was a little bit of the, I, I had a different experience with that, but I think I would at the end of the day think, am I, are we bringing up this horrific story for so many of these surviving family members and community members? are they, what are they going to think?
2: Mm. I was
9: less thinking about the actual person I was playing and thinking about the other families that had been affected so profoundly by, you know, the horrific act that this character or this woman, you know, chose to perform.
5: Yeah. Like, to, is it, is it, is it? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just such a good point to bring up because it's like, yeah, are you re-traumatizing them or are they, or, or do they feel like they're getting some kind of justice and or, or not? I, it's so I, tricky. I had
3: such a unique experience because Monica was a producer on the show, and I, she almost oh, has become wow. like a cus, other half sister, cousin. Like it's we we have this really unique bond. Um, but I think she would say the same thing that working on the project was simultaneously like um, a lot for her emotionally to kind of go through her trauma again through watching me go through it physically. Um, but it, it was, it was such a, it's such a unique experience. Cause do you guys use that at Marco Polo where you can like send videos. Yes. So she loves it. And so she would send me a video and then I would go to respond to her and I'd be like, I'm wearing your hair. I can't respond. To <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you know, like in the, her workout with her badge on and like the wig. And I was just like, you know, text are like, I'll call you later because I think this might be bizarre for
0: you for That's crazy. Oh, and that is by that is far easy. the greatest sentence I've heard today. I'm wearing your hair. I'm wearing your
6: hair. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little bit of distance from it because although Angeline was involved in our production, she didn't want to be involved with me that closely because... The version of her that I'm playing is the the icon of who she is and not the woman that she is through the guise and the lens of so many different people's perspectives and storytelling of her. So my version of her over like 50 or 60 years changes depending upon who's in control of the story. And when I met with her, I mean, the first thing she said was, so why do you have such a hard on to play me? (laughs) <laughs> and then she uh, and then i was like i mean that's why you're <laughs> incredible and you're in control in every situation you're in um and then she said i you know i want you to tell whatever version of the story you want to tell and in that way it's going to be your story and not my story because only i can tell my story because it's my story so it was really empowering in a oh. way to be freed from that to know that The things that I saw in her, the things that deeply moved me and inspired me and caused me to like, you know, research and become enamored of and and almost forget who I was in the process, right? Like that said more about who I was, right? In this kind of marriage of our souls and this kind of imaginary character soul. Um, And in that way, all of these characters are kind of like emotional impressionism more than they are us becoming somebody else who exists out there. And that, I think there's a freedom in that.
0: I'm just having such an amazing time listening to everyone articulate it, because it sounds like we all kind of followed a similar path in this one. And everything everybody said, I I, I hear, and and yes, I had my version of that. The one thing that I had that was slightly specific to my character was um, she was very into Kabbalah. And I read a book about Kabbalah, and one of the things I read was to humiliate someone is on par with murdering them. Mm-hmm. And so I had this real awareness every day. I'm like, how do I? Just hope she knows I'm not here to humiliate her, mm-hmm. because it's I'm I'm because as I, I, someone said, it talked about making taking bold swings and making bold choices. And you do have to do that when you're playing a bold person. and But also be sensitive to the fact that watch, I mean, nobody can never listen to their own voice. You can't look at a picture of yourself without being critical. And now you're showing someone else's life and your interpretation. And so all the choices that I made, and we had so many meetings about this as a, as a team on this project was about how do we tell what happened Without humiliating everybody, you know, how do we show that these were people who, whether or not they made the right choice or the wrong choice, or however you feel about their choices, they were—they really were grounded in a desire to do good, and—and um, and whether or not they practiced what they preach, you know, we wanted to show that without judging how close they came to the mark that they set for themselves.
7: Yeah, going with what, what Anne's saying, it's interesting because when I met, uh, Anna Delvey, um, I had a weirdly similar kind of conversation going what you're saying. Like she, she was asking me, you know, how filming was going and she was asking me how I'm going to play her. And, you know, at that time, there wasn't a lot of interviews with her and people knew about her, but it, it, she almost was appearing like a character and they didn't know her story. And I, I just said, listen, I, my job is to make you a human and you don't have to like that person, but you're not a person right now in a way. And going back to what you were saying of the humiliation, I think the lack of acknowledging that that person is, is a person in a sense, you know, humanizing them. And, you know, our job is not, um, you don't have to love our characters you can actually like hate the characters that you're watching but you have to be willing to understand why they did what they did in some regard so mm-hmm. i think that's the main thing in a way and it's going back to what you're saying with the humiliation you know
1: um, I mean, you talked about um angeline being involved uh a, a tiny bit you had the line if i'm getting it right um I think it's when you break the fourth wall at the end and you say, wasn't there supposed to be a cameo? Was there?
6: (laughs) (laughs) There was at one time. Um, Uh. it was, it was written and it was approved by her and she was going to shoot it. And then we were supposed to shoot it right before the pandemic. And then we shut down for 18 months, um, over the course of the pandemic. And during that time she had some kind of change of heart and, it was never really explained to me exactly what that was, but she's kind of a rebel and kind of a, a mystery. And I know she has a documentary coming out. So I don't know if it has some, by the way, I'll be like literally first online to see that because like, even though I've made the show and like, I'm already done with it. I'm like, give me more content. I I could keep researching this for these characters forever. Like I, I'm a huge consumer. I just want to kind of bathe in it and live in it. And I love it. Um, so, so yeah, but ultimately, you know, with this show, I felt that the article in The Hollywood Reporter that was kind of the seed kickoff for this kind of took some of that mystery away from her by revealing the secret past identity um, that she actually rejects. Um, and And I felt that with the end of the show... I wanted to return the power back to her in the way that we had through the Mm. show um, by using a lot of her kind of sound bites and lines as as kind of feed for our dialogue throughout. I also just wanted to firmly root the power back in her hands um, as she was part of this show for three years. Um, And I wanted to end on her. And in the end, she decided that that's not what she wanted. And she wasn't comfortable with that. And. I respect that and love her. And I think one of the reasons we love her is because she's so kind of unpredictable and mysterious. And I I think if she were any other way, we wouldn't be making a show about her. And so in the end, what we landed on was the breaking the fourth wall. Um, And what more does she want? Like I'm on all the monitors and then I completely disappear and she replaces me. And that's what I hope, right? Because in the end, we are only a hopefully more, more three-dimensional version of a facsimile, but you can never be anybody else. And that's why we start the show with the assembly of a billboard, two-dimensional images put together to make up the the picture of a woman, but not really the
3: woman herself.
1: Yeah. Beanie, if um, Monica hadn't been involved in impeachment, would you have been involved?
3: It's a very good question. You know, um, obviously impeachment is the third installment of uh, American Time mm-hmm. Story. And this was the first time they've ever actually had a real person involved. So I think the answer to that question would be like, I would have had to have read the script and seen what the perspective mm. of the show was. Um, and Sarah Burgess, our incredible um, writer, she had such a fierce understanding of Linda and Monica, and it was so firmly rooted in the women's perspective. And even though it's called the impeachment of William Jefferson Clinton. It's about the women around him, Um, and it's finally, um, you know, it's not the story of Ken Starr versus Bill Clinton or Newt Gingrich versus Bill Clinton. It's it's the story of a friendship that went so 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 deeply awry, and it was it was turning the spotlight of the story that we think we all understand kind of on itself and back to the women that really are the reason that this happened and. And we're, you know, Monica was like a meal for society to feast upon. She was just meat. She wasn't a person. She wasn't a a 22 year old woman. She was, um, she was just fat and Jewish and spoiled and all of these things that they called her and people came out of the woodwork, like her abusive older ex, you know, to come and just abuse her on the, on, um news and she was she was brutalized in a way that is just so horrific looking back and um so I could only have ever been a part I, I had always wanted to play Monica that it was she was a person that kind of stuck out to me of like maybe I, I could play Monica Lewinsky I know she liked to sing and she grew up you know down the road from me and we're both Jewish I was like I think I could play Monica Lewinsky, but I didn't really understand why and I certainly would never have done it if it wasn't about about the women that um never gets spoken about when it comes to this story and if it didn't illuminate the power dynamic of of a 22-year-old girl and a almost 50-year-old man even if you take out the fact that he's literally the president of the United States and she is his intern if you just look at the gender and the age of those two people it's one of the clearest power imbalances you know of of all time and and she was she was just so she was really ripped apart by our by our media and our society like as a game and um so it was an honor to 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 show the human behind that and monica was really serious about her bad choices being in there as well as her good choices because if you only show her good again that's also a two-dimensional portrait it's just like a good two-dimensional portrait versus the you know um bad one that was given to the to us for so long so she was the one that insisted that embarrassing traumatic moments be in there and, and there were times we took them out and she wanted them back in because she said, no one's gonna believe it if it's only good about me. It has to be the real thing, it has to be the real thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. For those of you who didn't get to meet uh, the person you portray, uh, if you could have met them and asked one question, Adrian, in your case, maybe this is even just uh, the family, uh, what would that one question have been?
4: That's a great question. Um, I was terrified to play this role for many reasons. I don't know if I would have done would have done it if the family wasn't somewhat involved. Mm. And also, this was a story that I felt was so deeply rooted in the history of the black community in this country. And, and it was the first time it was it was being told in the way in which it was being told and Emmett's its body being seen on on network television, terrifying. And I I think I would have just asked Mamie what makes you happy Mm. because I, I'm, I, I can't even tell you besides her son. I don't know what she, what makes her happy, what makes her tick because so much of it was about the story. Her story is wrapped up in what was done to her and her family. And I just, I want to know about her more about her and even though i i i learned so much about her as a human being obviously because i had to do this work and tell this story i had to look at it and do this work from the perspective of at this time in her life based off what was happening she had to persevere and she persevered in this way every time was about i have to get to work i have to get to work i have to get to work to find justice for my boy that was literally it (laughs) For every scene, and so in a way i'm I'm like a little jealous because i don't i don't know I don't know enough about her just that thirty three year old woman I don't know enough about maybe still yeah
1: uh who who else what's a question you would have asked
9: there that is literally such a hard question i I think I would have Sorry. asked a million questions yeah. it's a fabulous question, but it's a really hard one to answer and i'm I was sitting here thinking would i have had the guts to ask her ask candy if did did betty actually come at you first mm. did she threaten you first i i just don't know if i would have the guts to, to ask that blatant question i don't know of course i want to know that answer but the other question that just popped into my head and i've never well i've thought of this before but i never thought that this would be an important one to ask her but I feel like this relationship that Candy had with her very good friend and her pastor Jackie Ponder when Jackie left town what I what I have read about that relationship and that friendship was that it was a huge abandonment uh, 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 for, for Candy where she she lost her support she lost her female crew like she lost her bud she lost her bestie and I deeply feel that if that person hadn't left that that What happened would not have happened, and I think I would want to ask her about that relationship and if she felt that the rug of her life got sort of yanked when that female support system was out of her life on a daily basis. And I just know what the women in my life have been for me, and even just sitting here listening to all of you guys, it's I just feel like I'm a, I feel like I have all these. The support system, all of a sudden, um, I know you know not all of us know each other that well, but I just wonder how often people make decisions in their lives when when that female support gets taken, and how much I rely on it, and maybe how much she relied on it i don't know that's beautiful by the way <laughs>
7: yeah well well said <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all in the same
5: place and we all like are, you know, walking around the same space, doing the things that we love to do. And it's, I mean, all of our processes are slightly different or very, maybe very different depending, but it's just like, you're right. It's like, I mean, it's really nice to be able to connect on like, I mean, it's very, this is very specific. We've all played real people. Um, I was
8: the same year. <laughs> crazy. Also, I was just thinking too. Like, um, Cause I was like, Oh gosh, what question would I ask? I, there would be a lot, but I don't know if I would have the, the guts, but I started thinking about um, her eyebrows in the court scene and um, uh-huh. I <laughs> why she drew the lawn like that because it was makeup and I have my theories, but I, I kind of, I thought it was like kind of armor in a way because she was really, she looked like so many different people, but um, I think she was such a kind of fairy nymph at that time time in court, she really had this delicate face. I think the harsh eyebrows really did a lot to also like, she didn't show a lot of emotion had like kind of these smirks and things. And um, I, I'm curious why she drew them on. I felt like they were like war paint because it's like she's going in and she doesn't, she wants to kind of get herself ready for battle every day. But that's my theory. I guess I would ask that, but I was, but thinking through about the eyebrows, I think also looking at everyone's kind of physical transformations that they've made for the roles, their roles this year. Um, you know, whether it be going to different periods or, you know, specifically, you know, very specific costumes. And that's just, um, something that always helps me. And like, I, um, it's such a vital part of the process, but, um, it's interesting. Cause I'm like, you guys all don't look exactly like your characters right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, just, it's such a testament to 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 just totally just getting, you know, evaporated in, into that role. And I think it was like the first time for me that I actually played a real person that was kind of people knew what she looked like and um, who was still alive. And um, I never had to really transform in that way of where people would probably be online later comparing you to the real person and trying to get that right. And um you know, how accurate we all wanted to be. I mean, it seems like we all wanted to be pretty accurate because everyone really was, I feel. But that was a really, I I liked that feeling. I never got to do that before. Yeah.
0: Um, My question would just be pretty practical. I work with an amazing uh, researcher named Amy Hammond, who, by the way, if any of you guys need a researcher, I can't recommend her highly enough. She was brilliant. And she helped me uh, organize Rebecca's life into three distinct sections. And Amy will find out as much information as is available. And the middle section was like, she was like, there's really very little evidence of what she was up to. So I would just love to know what she was up to for this period of her life. You can kind of, no one really seems to know there's a mystery uh, around it. And so I think, as we were saying earlier, you kind of have to fill in some of the blanks for yourself and make decisions for that. But um, I don't know. What happened to her just before she met the man that would wind up defining so much of her life? Yeah. Amanda, did you meet Elizabeth?
5: No, no, mm. no. I, you know, I, I think it's, I I would have gotten into a <laughs> position I think that I want to be into. And like, it just, I, 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 I have mean? issues with boundaries. Um, and I think I would have probably, I don't think I would have been able to play her um, with the kind of abandon that I, was able to um, cultivate in my process of researching and stuff if I had met her, because I would have felt like I'd owed her more than I did. And, and I know that about me and I wasn't given the opportunity to meet her because she was in litigation, but I do know we, we have one person that we're she's friends with that I am um, in contact with. And he, he would give me some messages every once in a while. And she did say she would love to have coffee with me after the trial. Whoa! And I was like, oh, "Only that's gonna happen." But, <laughs> <badly>. <laughs> um, but but at the end of the day, I'm glad I I I'm glad I didn't have the opportunity because I it would have been a hard decision to make, and mm-hmm. and I'm glad it was made for me.
1: Yeah, um, you know, she obviously she had her uh green juice. What did you have to like soothe your voice after talking like her every day?
5: Oh, I drank the I, I drank. The you drink.
1: drank the juice. Is that it what you
5: said? It was. It was. Available to drink during the scenes, between the scenes, nothing. <laughs> Just I got as low as I could go. I can't, I can't. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Like we all have our limits, our physical limitations, and I knew I was never going to get to her fre- frequency or however it's measured, um, because she's like at a one eighty on some scale, and females speak. Uh, the average female voice sits at like a two thirty or something like that. And she was at her lowest. I like got a 186 or something like that. And I, so I just knew it in the beginning. I was never going to be that low. And if they had to modulate me post and it sounded good, fine. But I was just like, this is going to be my version of her voice because like, I'm i a singer too. You know, be, be, yeah, yeah. Beanie Knight and, and Adrian, we all work with the same person. And um, I, the first thing I said to Liz Kaplan, her voice coach, was like, was like, how do I do this like in a way where I can sing um, that I'll, I won't lose my piece forever? And she was like, easy.
1: Oh, and it was really that easy?
5: Low as you can go. And you know, oh. I, I worked with her throughout. There you go. So yeah. I think so some so much of the character um sometimes
6: comes from a vocal place or from a walking pad, from a gate pattern. Yes. You find your way in depending upon I had like the, the inverse issue. <laughs> like I had to find all these mm. like the very weird shadows. I mean, you are like a,
5: you are a coloratora.
6: Yeah, but that's not. I'm no, no, definitely yeah. no. I mean, <laughs> no. But like, I, I had Like, I would, like, <gasps> I would like, <laughs> like hang upside down trying to find these like weird, bizarre ooze. And I had like a different vocal teacher, and a, just like I would just walk the reservoir trying to find like odd places, and then just do it repeatedly for hours a day, so you could like almost like you're like working up a muscle.
5: But you didn't. You didn't like it. Didn't hurt, right?
6: i would get i would get fatigued um yeah i mean every, everything fatigues right i mean you know you're you're like you're hot you're in prosthetics or you're in wardrobe or you're doing a different date than you usually do or you're just doing a different emotional pattern or energy flow than you usually do and it, it's it's hard it's hard on your body it's hard on your heart right holding all those things but like what a, what a joy to be able to do it like it's so fun
0: I, I just have to say, I'm at, I have this image, Emmy, of you walking around the reservoir, like making all of these amazing whistle tones, and nobody in New York is raising an eyebrow. No,
2: <laughs> like, of course not. Everybody's like, no, "Oh yeah, just He's
0: like, cuckoo, coo- banana over there." <laughs> yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. Maybe don't get too close, but like, it's okay. She's. <laughs> <laughs> Annie. What about
5: yours? Like, you were so much deeper. That's like she spoke so. Like, did that?
0: Like, how, how did you? get into that. Cause Ooh, I just, uh, you know, it, I don't know how everybody else feels, but when I was first starting out, I used to put so much pressure on myself that like the first time I did something, it had to be there. And one of the things that I've loved about the longer I've acted is I've learned that just cause you can't do something the first time around doesn't mean you can't keep working towards it. And so the first time I went for it, it was, you know, nowhere near where I wanted it to be or needed it to be. So I just, worked with a great vocal coach, Jerome Butler, and we just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And then I don't know if it's that your body for, it must be that your body forms around because, you know, it's all about the breath and your pelvic floor and then the way that it drops. But at a certain point it dropped, but I still felt like I was very conscious of how I sounded. And I have to give it to my co-star when Jared walked in as Adam and I heard the, quality of voice that he had found where he was doing something so dynamic but with such ease something clicked for me and there was something about his vocal work that informed mine I think just because we were so like we were were playing characters who were so united and as soon when I heard the quality of, of his voice my voice came out and that was, that was kind of where she lived. But the thing that turned for me was because like, you can't just go around talking like this and forcing it. And that force comes out for me. It was when I found the break in the voice that was when like the break gave me so many more colors to go around with. So it wasn't just like actress, she has a low voice, which I'm sure you had your version of too. It's
5: like you're letting a little bit, of, a little bit of the steam out. So it doesn't feel like so heavy
7: almost. Mm-hmm. It's very
0: technical.
5: It's very... It's,
7: mm-hmm. it's there's, so mu- there's, a mu- there's music to it. That's really what yes. it is, too. It's not just about the accent. It's the music mm-hmm. Cal- mm-hmm. of it all. And, and um, yeah, it's... it's and, and there's also just certain words that get you back into the accent, too. Certain sentences in a way.
5: How, how often <laughs> did you, people ask you to do it, Julia, like, after you were done? Mm-hmm. Do, it,
7: do the voice. Did they ask you to, like, just fans... <sighs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it was weird. I mean, the Del, especially Delvey's accent. I mean, Ozark was a little bit easier because it's just a Missouri accent, but Delvey the whole thing was it's consistently inconsistent. (laughs) That was the whole, and, and it just like, I remember the first time I like heard her accent, I was just like, I was like, what? Like, what is this? And I was panicking because I had to learn it quick. And, you know, but it was, ger- she just sounded like one of those, like those international people from Europe who's like, yes, I, you know, I grew up in Geneva and yes, I have an island in Bath or wh- wherever. It was kind of this weird international mutt accent. So I was kind of panicking, but that's how she really sounds like, especially in that period of time, like in Tuesday. Two- 2014, when she was doing all that stuff, her accent got Americanized in jail, but she really just she's actually gifted in languages like she speaks six, seven languages. So she picks up, you know, uh, very quickly. So but it was really, really hard um but yes people ask me people always ask me to do like the accent and it's just like i don't know it's crazy
1: (laughs) i was going to ask you to do the entire interview in it but no that's great no
2: (laughs) no
7: i don't know i mean (laughs) me saying i don't know like that gets back into (laughs) yeah, <laughs> everything's
0: going to be OK, babe. It's going to be all right. Yeah, i never said babe ever.
7: I mean, yeah, you guys, the voice. I don't know how you guys did that super low, low voice. I was so ex- when I saw you guys, when you were when it first came out that you guys were going to play it, I was like, this is going to be so good. So, oh, yeah. yeah, you guys, everybody's so brilliant.
0: Truly. Really- I felt that about all of your casting announcements come to think of it. Like, it was like, you know, when like you see that, you see that person's going to play that part. You're like, ooh, this is going to be good. I can't good. wait to cozy
7: up to that. This guy's so good. <laughs> TV just got so amazing, though. Like, I'm just always oh, so it. excited to yeah. see what's new and out there.
1: I, I was thinking with your accents, um, because, Anne, you even... Uh, it's a kind of really tragic moment um, in, in I don't remember what episode it is now, maybe episode four. I'm putting on the staging the play the three sisters when oh. then she puts on the Russian uh, accent. Mm-hmm. And it's just so I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of looked at that. I don't know how you felt about it, but it felt like really a defining moment for Rebecca.
0: I look. At- I think accent work is really hard. Um, I don't know if anybody here went to drama school, but I'm self-taught and I have, or accents are really vulnerable for me because I don't have, you know, the same training that other, like some of our contemporaries have. And so I'm insecure about it. And, um, I've done accent work in the past that I wasn't happy with. And, um, But I know, so I know what it's like to be out there. There's that line in the seagull that Nina has where you have no idea what it's like to be on stage acting and be acting and know that you are acting so badly. (laughs) And um, I'm not assuming anyone else here feels like that, has ever felt like that. I I maybe know what it is. So, um, but where that sound came from. So anyway, all of this is saying that, you know, part of growing is biting off more you and you can chew and taking bold choices and also falling short of them. And what you do next kind of defines you and you either kind of push through or keep going. But if it stops you, then it means that you can be stopped in Mm -hmm. that area of your life. But the where that voice came from was so this was my first really big job after the pandemic. And I'm sure everybody like, had their own version of this. It was a lot. Like you're seeing people for the first time. You're trying to get used to working under CoVID rules. Everybody's masked, so suddenly you're the only face that's out there. Nobody was vaccinated at that point because there wasn't a vaccination. It was just like there was so many things, and also, I'm starting this new project. I've never worked in TV before, and it's amazing, but it is different than what I'm used to. and i I got a little emotional. And I was sitting there and I'm like, it's okay. Calm yourself down. Think about the work that you have coming up. Just focus, focus. And I was like, you have an accent to do and you're doing checkoff. What are the lines? And I looked it up and all of a sudden through my tears, it went, life is so goddamn disappointing. (laughs) And I just, it was the silliest sound and it made me laugh and it made me laugh. And I just went around talking like that until I felt better. (laughs) And I just thought, okay, I'm going to give this a go. I'm just going to see what happens. And so out of nowhere, I turned to my makeup artist and I said something and she started to giggle. And I just went around to different people and I would kind of like stealth slide up to them and do the voice and they would start laughing. And I'm like, okay, okay, whatever happens, you are going to make people laugh with a terrible accent. So everything's going to you have that to hang your hat on.
1: Yeah, well, that that was kind of the the whole point there. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Michelle Pfeiffer, when we did uh, the roundtable for uh, the first lady, she's I, I want to read you a quote. She said about playing a real person She said it's it's very, very weighty and it's with you all the time, every choice you make. And you just want to honor that person you're playing. You want to be as authentic as possible, knowing that there will be times where you're not and you can't be. I'm never doing it again. Okay, so some of you have kind of <laughs> mentioned some of that stuff, but it's that very last line. I'm never doing it again. I know everyone's experience is different, um, but are there any aspects of that that you would relate to? Would any of you show of hands not care to play a real person ever again?
4: I need. I definitely need a break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair.
4: I'll take a break.
5: <laughs> I feel like I only want to play real people. I feel like I'm not. I'm having. I'm. I'm having those teeth falling out dreams. <laughs> a lot oh, yeah. more than I ever I have I know those It's just but I, and I'm try, I'm, I really do think it's tied to the fact That it's my first job after playing Elizabeth Holmes And I can't get a fucking Sense of this character And so I'm like ah, Just give me some real Now at this point I'm like I'll, I'll take anybody Just say a name and I'll go study that person Because I'm just like I, got, I, think, I think it was so It was so fun and there's like a safety, safety there, there right? there's a blueprint yes. a yeah. blueprint an actual yeah, a skeleton.
6: blueprint yeah. A skeleton. yeah it's tricky also with the job that amanda and i are doing because we're playing characters that are kind of loosely inspired by people but not really at all them so with this one at least for me i i actively didn't do a lot of research because I just wanted to go to the page and figure out who they were on the page because they don't have their name. They don't have their story in their life. They're not from the same part of the country. And, I, and, and it's not, it's not the same. And so I was like, okay, this is a character for me. This is not this woman. That, and I got, I got freedom in that too.
9: Well, you feel, can
5: maybe help me out.
9: <sighs> maybe, maybe you need to go back to your dreams. There's something, there's something to mine in those
8: teeth. Yeah, What's going on there? You should have no teeth apart, like that'll make you know. <laughs> no, like, it's a sign. Like, what is, what is your <laughs> character
9: symbolically losing? Yeah.
5: I, I I feel like maybe I just don't know my character well enough, so it's really just about me. I'm symbolic. Can we, can we just
9: meet as a group? Maybe yeah. can we have like a group, <laughs> group talk? Please.
1: <laughs> we'll give you a. We'll give you a private Zoom link after this.
9: Yeah,
1: <laughs> to, yeah, to have a little breakdown. It
5: is interesting uh, of the though. Like after the, 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 these were all, I can say. I mean, from watching, I mean, it's just these were all like massive challenges. For I mean, it was for me. I imagine you know, and 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 gifts, you know. But it's just like,
9: what do you do after? I mean, that's, for me, like, what, that's do what do I do after feeling too? what Where do you go from here? I don't know honestly I mean, writers are amazing and obviously we've all worked with and are you know would kill to work with so many of these incredible writers who can create these characters right. that are so deeply um complicated and 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 interesting and complex, but I mean these real people there's just it just never ends with the amount of of substance and dichotomy and uh, I'm with you. I'm like, what now? <laughs> <Where>? Montana, Catskills. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, mean, I really like exactly the, mountains. I'll just.
1: <laughs> um, Elle, I got to ask you quickly the the Glee scene where mm. she is in the mirror. Okay, were, were you already a fan of the show? Did you remember that, or did you go back and watch that a lot to get down that Rachel Berry delivery in yeah. that moment?
8: Well, you know, I'd never really I mean, I'd seen Glee, but not I wasn't a Gleek like um, Mm. uh, Michelle was, I would say. So I did. um, That was kind of one of the things that really got me inside her to understand was her obsession with pop culture and the YA world and Glee. And it was really, you know, she was very, um, very much a loner in high school and in her life. And I think she sought out those books and Glee in particular to be the star of her own show and um, you know oddly enough it definitely emulates what was happening um, in her real life with obviously leah michelle mourning her real life boyfriend also rachel mourning finn on the show so it was a very very meta and i think like we all have those scenes right that are like oh God, like you're looking on the schedule and you're like, this is coming up. You know, it was the end of the pilot. I read the pilot. I was like, okay, this is the scene. You know, you just know the scene that's either emotional or it's going to be hard and you're you're excited. I always get, it's like a knot of like, you're excited, but you're just also dreading that day. But then I talk to myself and I'm like, well, you know, after one day comes another day. And so that will have passed and will be in the past one day, you will have done the scene and you'll wake up and the scene will be done. Um, and it was that moment. Um, and yeah, I watched, I mean, it was a kind of obviously playing a character and not wanting to be a character and or mimic the character, but getting her mannerisms down, but along with this scene where I'm literally, the gestures and every single time, you know, Rachel Berry would close her eyes and every when she would get emotional, I wanted to match it exactly. So it was very technical. Mm-hmm. And I have like a little notepad of I wrote it out and I would film myself um, like at night doing the make you feel my love and like knowing where I would need to get emotional at the moments that she has like tears fall and then I would watch myself back next to the computer screen of her doing it so we could like nail it because I think the eeriness of that of it being so specific and it mimicking exactly is what I wanted to pinpoint because it's kind of the turning point of the series where you start questioning my character's motives where it's Really, someone mimicking grief, um, which is really, you know, she can't really grieve herself, so through a character, she's Mm. learning how to mourn and also kind of getting enjoyment in that and the enjoyment of the attention. And so, I just knew that that was, you know, that was one of the scenes it was like, oh gosh, you know, we did it like for eight hours, and then they use like the first take, you're like, why did I do this for eight hours? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's just all we'd all relate, but it's just, Uh, um, I was happy for it to be. To be, be done. To be done.
1: Well, you were right. It was very eerie. Um, I have one last question for the group, but quickly, Jessica, did you have to, um, th- this actor, this guy named Justin Timberlake, did you have to twist his arm a lot to get him to portray this police investigator and put on that mustache?
9: Oh, no, that was all him. He, that was his idea. Uh, Fully his idea. I, I yeah. actually just thought he was kidding. I thought, oh, that's cute. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for making a joke about wanting to be on my little show. And no, he, he just read the script and said, I, I see this way in, this guy's a performer, I get it. He, he, um, he sees right through this woman and he's yeah. like sort of her biggest adversary. Mm-hmm. And I want to play this part. I said, I, ca- I cannot pay you. Like, I cannot pay you. It's going to be at a, at a zero. And mm-hmm. he said, well, I just, I want to be paid in my prosthetic belly and my, <laughs> my wig. I said, that I can do. And then we, you know, we just called a million people as fast as possible before he decided to change his mind. And um, he, it was all him. It really was.
1: Yeah, love that. And love that Melanie's uh, Melanie's man, um, Jason Ritter, was in there, too. All right, here we go. The last question for the group. Uh, you know, if this uh, year has taught us anything, it is that there is seemingly no shortage of roles in it. It worked out for all of you. Uh, and I think you're perfectly cast in these. But let's just for a second think... Had you not been in this role, who else here would you have loved to have, maybe even just tried their character? Like, maybe do you have a little role envy?
8: Oh, within the group?
1: Yeah, within this group.
8: Oh, oh. I mean, I wanted. I, I mean, I try Amanda's on. I think we got it. We got the eyes. We got the coloring. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, a turtleneck in the back. I got my lipstick. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to go. Make the hair all kooky. Yeah, 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 yeah.
9: yeah, yeah. I would That's, go. I would go Emmy for sure. Emmy all day long. That's that a good one. You know, I think I go Beanie.
6: Ooh, yes. I have a. I have a lot of heart for that woman. And after I saw her TED Talk, I was like.
9: Whoa, mm-hmm. cool. I am fully she, in.
6: I am fully in on Monica. I love her. And you did such a terrific job.
5: I think the same. I really do. I fucking Monica. Unbelievable. I got yeah. I'm a Melanie Linsky
3: stan. Like I'm obsessed with Melanie Linsky. And so I think I'd have to go Jessica because then I would get to like do that insane scene. I, I mean, I was just waiting. You're just waiting for it and waiting for it. And you were so brilliant in that role. I could watch that whole show over again. But to to spar with Melanie, I think, would be like
9: my personal She's dreamy. I'm obsessed with her. She, she's dreamy. She's amazing, too. She's so still. She doesn't move. It's unbelievable. I just watch her and... So many things are happening. She's so powerful, and she has not moved a muscle. Amazing. She's a dreamboat. Period. I don't know. I mean,
4: We're this may look real different, but I would definitely go for Julius. <laughs> 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 I was mean, like, no one wants to play Anna. Just everybody's <laughs> like, <laughs> I do. Her. I do. There is <laughs> like, a like, no, no way. Going on. She is a mess. She is everywhere, and I would play her all day long.
0: Everybody's like, no. You beat. She beat me to it. She beat me to it. I love a vague European accent. <laughs> yeah.
4: That's
0: also highly specific. You got the clothes, you yeah. got jail. the
4: parties. You, you're on oh, yachts. Yeah.
0: Oh,
7: man. I can't even tell you, like, I love her. But I also was, by the end of it, I was so exhausted playing her, like, being her for so long. I was just like, oof, this girl. Like, I can't.
5: <laughs> so you wouldn't do it? Wait, if, if, okay, what about, um? sorry, what about if there was a season two for? Anna Del- Yes. yes. Anybody, any of you, uh, your characters? Yeah. Would you do it again? Yeah, okay. Yes.
9: Mm-hmm. Yes. I. I don't know what there would nope. be. To tell, <laughs> but but if, I love her. they
5: Came back with like a special, and they're like, "Okay, you get to play this character for two the more
9: Christmas episode." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like,
7: just imagine if Elizabeth and Anna in jail.
5: Now?
0: In jail. That's season two. Oh my god! What if we all played our parts? But that's the movie. <laughs> that's the movie. <laughs> like oh, that's right. played. A world we go into Amanda's <laughs> dream where the teeth fall out we're yeah. all those characters it's a together yeah. in one. Definitely a fever
7: dream. And there's dancing. Yeah. They're all in the same prison. Oh, my God. It <laughs> may a lawyer. Maybe it's definitely a lawyer. Yeah. 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 Done. True. Oh, wow. And Monica wants Yeah. Too. yeah. yeah. Can I just
0: jump in with something? Because you said something really you said something great. And I really want it to be true. That there's no shortage of great roles for women, but that's just not true across the board for everybody. So I just want to yeah. say that there's a really promising uptick in great roles for mm-hmm. women, but we we have really far to go. and And I just want to encourage anybody watching this to do whatever you can to level that playing field because it, it isn't there yet.
1: Yeah, we have we have some producers in the room here, so. <laughs> That's no true. pressure, Jessica. All I'm right. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen, <laughs> it, this really has been a, a great pleasure, and I cannot thank all of you enough for your time. Congratulations on all of this work. I know some of you mentioned they, they were exhausting and you felt the fatigue, but I think it just is a, a sign of truly a job well done. So congrats to all of you, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I still kind of can't get over, uh, th- that entire thing. Um, it was real, uh, it was a real pinch me moment having all of them together. And by the way, I do want to, uh, I, I want to thank Anne Hathaway for kind of, you know, correcting and uh, correcting me and clarifying there at the end that, uh, while there are uh, a lot of great roles out there, there aren't enough roles for everyone. Um, I, I I think it's even kind of clear, based on who we had for this, that there was only one woman of color because there weren't that many roles in the limited anthology series TV movie category where there were women of color. So um, she, she's absolutely right. There are decision makers out there, hopefully listening right here, that, you know, these stories exist. So... There's no reason. Uh, I mean, there are reasons to not greenlight certain stories if the if the script is not good and that kind of stuff. But you know what I mean. The these stories exist. The the actresses exist. The filmmakers exist. The writers exist. Uh, and so all of that can uh, we can see change quite easily.
2: Absolutely. Well, and you know, this yes. is why like it's easy for people doing what we do, Jared, to kind of like, you know, talk about how like, you know, there's so much television and, you know, the kind of yes. peak TV phraseology that came about a few years ago and stuff. But, you know, the the thing that we would miss If like, you know, TV re-monopolized and there were like, you know, three venues, which I sometimes worry is what's going to happen at some point, is Mm -hmm. that like, you know, even now when there is so much stuff being made, you know, it it can feel as if, you know, is that stuff all still kind of going in just one or two directions? And, you know, um, we're kind of living in this time of abundance and of kind of seeking out and like finding shows that get to explore you know, cultures or aspects of our country or the world that you know were never explored back in the kind mm-hmm. of you know three mm-hmm. network days. But you know, but there's always work to be done, and I, I think that's a yeah. that's an amazing point to make.
1: Yeah. Uh, so again, I thank her for that. Uh, by the way, I have to say here that right after we finished recording this <laughs> roundtable. Uh, news broke that Julia Garner is uh, in talks or has essentially been cast like pretty much the contract had been signed or close to it, that she's going to be playing Madonna in the official Madonna biopic. And let me tell you, if that had broken an hour earlier, we would have been having a very different discussion on that roundtable. But um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because Julia Garner, to me, is like she's kind of chameleonic in her abilities
2: oh yeah is that a word
1: chameleonic uh, if it's not it absolutely is it It absolutely
2: is and you know in fairness that exact um skill set that she has is great for playing madonna like i don't know how much the biopic is covering but you know there's Mm. a pop culture icon who was constantly kind of like changing herself and like even when she was like at the height of her fame for like you know that well continues to be but like you know for certainly the first 20 plus year period of of her career um kind of constantly kind of adapting to the time. So, I mean, you know, I'm I'm in for whatever Julia Garner wants to do, but like Agreed. if the aim was to play, you know, one of the three or four most famous people of the last 50 years, this is the right person for her to play for
1: sure. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I, I think they nailed that casting, uh, assuming and hoping that that is uh, in fact a, a locked thing.
2: And she has two
1: Emmys uh, this could maybe be a potential for an Oscar. So this may be really the beginning uh, or, or you know, further extending her um, journey toward being an EGOT. I don't and, know. I'm, I'm jumping way ahead. But.
2: And like for the movie, she could potentially sing an original song. That's that's Absolutely. a good potential. That's a good potential for a Grammy. Yeah. And then like she needs a- to. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: <laughs> true. If she if she performs it, yeah, she could win the Grammy, even if she helps write it. But I don't know. we're we're going to big places for Julia, which hopefully she appreciates. But, um yeah, she's fantastic. Um, anyway, speaking of fantastic, Darren, you are, and thank you so much for joining me here this week.
2: Always a pleasure.
1: Uh, Hopefully we will have you back very soon. Folks, that is it for this episode of The Awardist. If you like what you heard, please do follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you next week. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.